And now on this episode of Miami Miked Up, I'm excited to have a repeat guest, a guest who has been one of my favorites <laughs> that we have here on the show. And I know uh, down here in South Florida, he is everybody's favorite baseball voice. Welcoming in Tommy Hutton to the show. Tommy, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day this week. It's been a crazy baseball week to join me on Miami Miked Up. Well, that's good. That's just like a, a residual uh, a thing. I, I get a repeat thing, a residual thing. Hey, I just got out of the uh, swimming pool with uh, one of my granddaughters, so we're ready to go. Oh, man, we are ready to go. So I don't even have to ask you my normal question of what's brought you joy outside of baseball. It's taking a dip in the yeah, pool you know. with the granddaughters, hanging out yeah, with family. Yeah, yeah I, I've got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old, and they're all girls. And it's uh, ironic because uh, my wife and I had two sons. Yeah. So the two sons gave us girls, so we've had a little bit of everything. Hanging out with the granddaughters. I know that they must be brought up in the baseball family as well. Um, but let's let's talk about joy. Um because this season has been joyful for the Miami Marlins, but I actually, before we get into this individual season, I want to take you back 20 years, back to 2003, uh, because you just had the opportunity uh, to MC before the game on Friday night, a conversation with some of the players from the 2003 team who were back here honoring that World Series champion. Uh, my favorite baseball team of all time. Like, that's my favorite team. I was eight years old in 2003. I am obsessed with the commemorative DVD that came out after they won the World Series. <laughs> Every single detail. Um, but I want to take you back to, to what this past weekend was like um, and some of the reminiscing that you got to do with some of these players who you covered, you know, 20 years ago with this 2003 team. Well, a couple things. It was great to see these guys. And you talk about joy. And uh, I always get joy when I see Juan Pierre. Uh, he, he brings joy to me every time I best. see him. Mm -hmm. But uh, to see some of the guys, some of the guys I hadn't seen in a long time. I had not seen Josh Beckett in a long time. So it was really nice to see him and, and, and see how he's doing with his family. Uh, we had Mike Lowell on the booth. Mikey, once in a while, will... Uh, I'll, I'll text back and forth with him a little bit. Uh, he, he watches a lot of Marlins baseball when yep. he's in town. Uh, Carl Pavano, I had not seen a Pavi in, in a while. So it, it was good to see him. Niner, we see all the time, but uh, he's great to see. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The one guy, I will say, the one guy I didn't get a chance because I was working the broadcast that mm -hmm. night, and Minervini was sucking up all the free food in the suite. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance – <laughs> I, I didn't get a chance to see Derek Lee. I oh. always loved D. Lee and and the way he played first base and and what he meant to that uh, infield defense. Funny story that uh, that night that uh, we were able to talk to those guys on the field and we had a couple of guys in the booth. After I did the uh, 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 ceremony on the field, I walked back to where the elevator is to go up to the uh, press room and go up to the booth to uh, begin the broadcast and. Two guys are walking in, Alex Gonzalez and Pudge Rodriguez. Oh, so I got the to best. see them too. So, uh, you know, it was a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of everything that day, and, and that was a joyful day. Those guys are, I mean, they make up my favorite baseball team of all time. You know, you mentioned Derek Lee, and to me, he's the best defensive first baseman I've ever seen. I think people forget the incredible play that he made at the end of Game 5 to help secure that World Series. A, a shot from uh, Hideki Matsui hit over to him at first base, but that's one of the best teams you could, you could ever watch, um, and this, the nostalgia of that night was was really it brought me a lot of joy and I know it did for you as well. Um looking at this team, 
looking at this team in 2023, you know, we take a look ahead and this team's been a blast. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a disappointing end to the Astros series and a tough loss, but wins against the Reds and the Yankees in those series that really brought back the life of this season, a season that looked like it was potentially headed down here at the end of July and beginning of August. And I think in large part, that's been due to the offensive additions at the deadline of Jake Berger and Josh Bell. So, Tommy, could you explain the impact that these two guys have had on this lineup and what you like so much about each of them so far? Well, I think, first of all, uh, credit has to be given to uh, Kim Ng for, for making those deals. And and I, we've talked about it a little bit on the air, Paul Severino and I. It's not only acquiring uh, uh, players who you know what they can do on the field. It's acquiring men that you know what they're going to mean in the clubhouse. And I Big think time. both uh, Jake Berger and Josh Bell – have brought that to uh, to the ball club, and don't forget David Robertson as well. Yeah, uh, working at the the end of games, he's another guy who certainly fits into that mold. So it's fun to see him, and, and they've gotten off to great starts. Both the uh, uh, Josh Bell and and Jay Berger and and Jake Berger have gotten off to great starts, which is a good feeling for a player. I know what it's like when you get traded in the middle of the year. You join a new club. Uh, the first thing you want to do is get like eight hits uh, in a row. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. And uh, you want to endear yourself to your teammates. And I think these guys have. And uh, it, they've they've given them a boost. And, and if you go back to February or if you go back to early March and somebody tells you, you know, in the middle of August, the Marlins are going to be vying for a playoff spot, a wild card spot. Yeah, there's going to be some other teams there. Yeah, the Phillies will be there, the Diamondbacks, uh, the Reds, uh, the Cubs even. But you're going to have a chance with yep. some of those teams to get into the playoffs where where a whole lot of other teams aren't going to have that opportunity. I think if somebody told you that back then, you'd say, okay, give it to me. Yeah, you certainly would take it. You certainly would take it, particularly after what the last few years have been like watching the Marlins and, you know, getting a team that's been this competitive and you see guys like Berger and Bell, true professional hitters. You know, you add Josh Bell, who's been a Marlins killer for years before, and that's always going to be helpful to your lineup. Um, you know, when we look at the the rest of this team, obviously it took getting here to, to make the Marlins buyers mm-hmm. at the deadline. And there's been a bunch of different sort of surprise players this season. But to me, Tommy, I, I want to ask you who on this team, whether it's in the lineup or in the rotation, to you has stood out as your pleasant surprise of the season? That's a good one. We've we've had a couple of talks about that. Um, I, I'll probably give you more than one guy. Please, please uh, do. What, one guy who who seems to always, when he's called on and comes in out of the bullpen, is Soriano. George Soriano has uh, really done a nice job. Uh, if he has to start or when he comes into a game, he gives uh, Skip Schumacher two, three, sometimes four innings to help that game, that particular game that night. So that would be one. Um, I think, I don't think any of us are surprised. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm surprised at the way Luisa Rice has played, has played defense. Amen uh, a to lot that. of people told us, well, he can hit. And, you know, he played first base last year for about 60 games with the Twins, and his defense is so-so. Well, I've seen a lot better than so-so defense from Luis Arias. So that's been uh, another guy. Another guy who's quietly put together uh, some nice numbers 
and continues every every time he plays to show a little improvement is Brian De La Cruz mm-hmm. uh, having a solid year. Uh, Jesus Sanchez getting close. He's made the good adjustment, hitting balls to left field. We've seen a lot more of that. So those are some guys. Uh, I, I love the improvement of Braxton Garrett uh, with what yeah. he's come up with a cutter and what he's meant to the starting rotation. So, you, you know, you start thinking about those guys, and it turns out there's always just more than one. And that's the part that's been really fun about this team is a whole bunch of different guys who have stepped up and either performed to or above expectations from what you hope to see from them throughout this season. Brian De La Cruz being a guy who, you know, there haven't been a ton of examples over the last few years of Marlins bats developing and continuing to get better every year. And Brian De La Cruz is one of those guys who looks better and better each time you see him, just like you mentioned. Um, I want to talk about the pitching for a minute because obviously the pitching has been the calling card of this team and of this organization for the last few years. Um, This season, it has remained one of the calling cards of this team, but it does seem while Sandy Alcantara has gotten stronger and stronger as the season has gone along, Um, Some of these other pitchers have started to hit a wall. Jesus Lazardo is an example you saw last night. He struggled for the last three or four starts. You know, Braxton Garrett's been good, but, but a little more inconsistent as the season's gone along and so on. And so... You know, when you look at guys like this, I, I do wonder what your first thought is on some of these younger pitchers hitting a wall at this point of of the season. And, you know, how do they usually find their way out? Because to me, it, it looks more not like this is a stuff issue for a lot of these young guys who still are throwing the ball pretty hard. But, you know, almost similar to what we saw from Sandy early in the season, a, a lack of precise locating of your pitches. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's because this is the first time they've ever hit that wall. Yeah, uh, you you look at their their progress through the minor leagues. They've never been given an opportunity to to throw 130, 150, 180 innings. So uh, what you have to do, and I think uh, Mel Stottlemyre Jr. used a good uh, expression the other night, and he used it with uh, Jesus Luzardo. He talked about controlled aggression. Mm. You have to. You know, you got to be aggressive at certain times and maybe a little more, but you have to control it. You have to keep it hat. So the Marlins right now, uh, you talked about Sandy. He's good. Johnny Cueto is going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, I had a nice conversation with uh, Skip Schumacher the other day, and uh, he said a lot of pitchers, and this is what they do today, don't run to keep their legs in shape. They lift. They do a lot of stuff in the weight room, but they don't do the running. Johnny Cueto goes to uh, every ballpark, and as we were speaking, actually, with Skip, Cueto was running up and down the stairs at Lone Depot. So he runs, and and plus he hasn't thrown a lot this year. Yeah. So he should be okay the next few months, next month and a half. Now, you have Braxton Garrett, you have Luzardo, and you have Yuri Perez. Three young guys that they're all concerned with uh, the innings that they're going to pitch. So if, if Skip can squeeze – five and hopefully six innings out of those guys when they start, then he's okay with the bullpen. But if he has to use the bullpen for five innings every time one of these guys pitches, it's going to be tough. I'm sure the ball club, and I think he's been throwing a little better and throwing strikes, will probably see Edward Cabrera uh, come up uh, at some point in time, and he should be okay. But it's a it's a, a tough juggling act. I mean, you, you're doing this with the young pitchers, yep. And it's tough to do. Uh, it's a catch twenty two. 
because you have an opportunity to win, yep. uh, to get in the playoffs. You don't always have that. And in my opinion, I think you got to do everything you can to to get into the playoffs because you get there, you never know. Ask the Phillies. You get right. there, you never know what's going to happen. Well, it's funny, you know, no longer on the team, he was dealt at the deadline, but I spoke with Gene Segura about that before the season where he said, look, with this team, with any team, I was on the Phillies last year. Nobody expected yeah. us to make that run. This team could make that run. And while he's no longer here, it is a perfect example of, of a team in the Marlins, particularly when you talk about all that good young pitching and not every one of those guys will need to be starters come playoff time. It's just about getting there. But like you and I have spoken about on this podcast before, so much of this when it comes to the innings management comes to the way a lot of these pitchers are brought up, the lack of long distance running, the lack of long toss, more of a focus on velocity right off the bat rather than you know stretching pitchers out at a younger age. But we could do a 45-minute podcast on that well, yeah, on and, its own. And, and we have to we have to be clear it is not just the Marlins. Oh, it's every do team that. in baseball. Every every team in baseball does the same thing. Yep. Guys in the bullpens, uh, their arms start to get tired this time of year. Yep. So yeah, it's not just the Marlins. Every team does the same right. thing. Right. This is a major league baseball deal of all right, here's what yeah. we gotta do come this point of the year with these young Do we guys. agree with it? No. 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 Like you said, that's another podcast. <laughs> that's another podcast for another time where you and I can rant about the uh the the way we bring up pitchers these days. But thinking of a of a change. Oh wait, of I have sort... a great example though. Please I do have do. a great example. Bring it to and, me. And then I'll I'll, then I'll leave the rant. I think most people, most people have heard the name uh, Don Sutton. Of course, uh, the late Don Sutton uh, was a good friend and and was a teammate teammate of mine. Our very first year of professional baseball back in 1965 in the California League in Santa Barbara. He was a year older, so he was out of junior college, but he was 20. He was okay. 20 years old, 19 or 20, and he was eight and one. He had a 190 ERA. They moved him up to double A. He he won uh, 15 games in double A. So he ended up his very first year winning 23 games and throwing 249 innings. Come on. And until later in his career, I think the last, uh, second to last year's career, he never went on the uh, uh, injured list. So, I mean, he's, he's uh, an exception, but that's the way pitchers did. Yep. When you were a, a young pitcher back in that era, your objective was to throw nine innings, was yep. to complete the game every time. Yeah, the uh, the the chicken and the egg question is constantly our bodies breaking down because of the velocity and the arm was never really supposed to throw that hard or are they breaking down because we baby the arms around velocity and aren't well, and doing admit, the same amount of long yeah. toss and things like that. Exactly, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I understand guys throw harder nowadays. Yep. The, the guys serve, there are so many guys that throw over 95 miles an hour. Right. And uh, unfortunately, that's the way they're groomed yep. at uh, showcases and all that is to see how hard they throw. Okay, this guy can touch 100, we'll sign him. Hey, can he pitch? Can he get a guy out with bases loaded? Oh, no, he can touch 100. Ah, right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, you and I are on the same page when it comes to pitching okay. and approach there. Uh, but let's talk about hitting for a minute because the Marlins have actually been a bit old school in their approach this season. Yes, Jake Berger and Josh Bell and, and obviously Jorge Soler for the full season, they help in terms of adding some power to this lineup. But 
it seems like under hitting coach Brant Brown, the Marlins have been a little more comfortable with moving station to station, running the bases well, and hitting the ball into the gap. Um, it does remind me a little bit of the 2003 team that we were just talking about earlier. How much have you enjoyed watching this offense and that sort of approach from a Major League Baseball team in a time where so many of these teams are not taking that approach and they're following here Luis Arias' lead? Yeah, I love it, and I love talking to Brant Brown. We get a chance uh, just about every day when the team's at home. Uh, and, and, yeah, they have taken that approach, and you see the improvement in guys, as I mentioned before. Jesus Sanchez, uh, we had a note the other night, has already had twice as many base hits to the opposite field than he yep. had all of last year. Uh, Brian De La Cruz has made improvements uh, at the plate. Uh, it's the one guy I would like to see, and it's been unfortunate because of injuries, I would like to see uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. Yep. Uh, but I think the the injuries, the couple of times he's been out, they've they've just given him inconsistent at bats, and hopefully he can uh, put on a little run the last six weeks or so, uh, because if he does, he he means so much to that lineup because he can give you speed, he can give you power. He can give you the left-handed bat when you're facing a tough right-hander. So I'd like to really see him stay healthy and fi- and finish strong. Oh, it'd be awesome to see him have a great end of August and early September. Particularly, I mean, we've seen it. He's the type of guy who can carry this offense on his own for a stretch of a week or two. Um, I have one more question for you before we wrap up with, with your prediction for how the season will go. All right. I have a, which would be more important to the Marlins <laughs> down the stretch? Sandy Alcantara pitching the rest of the season like Cy Young or okay. Luis Arias hitting closer to 400 like he did for the first couple months of the season. So, so if you could just, pick that, one. That's easy. That's, that's easy. That's easy. You see, I thought I was expecting a hard one. You know, you're, you're better than this, Jeremy. Come on. Uh, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. You just need, you just need Luis Arias to continue to be steady. Hey, he's come down a little bit. But it is so hard to, to be consistent and, right. and for anybody to ever hit 400. I've talked to people about it. You're facing so many different pitchers yep. than, than when Ted Williams did it. He was facing starters who, number one, weren't throwing as hard. He was facing that same starter for all four or five at-bats. Right. Uh, Luis Arise, uh, he's facing three or four different pitchers. Uh, uh, some tough left-handers that come in all the time. So it's a, it's a much different game. But, yeah, give me Sandy Alcantara. Uh, however many more starts he has, pitching the way he did as a Cy Young uh, pitcher last year and the way he's pitched recently, too. Yep. These last few starts have been unbelievable, and it, it, it looks great to see Sandy sort of back in that form, carrying the rotation that hopefully we will see the likes of Jesus Lozardo and Yuri Perez and all these guys sort of carrying their their end of the, 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 the water as well uh, and getting the Marlins to the playoffs. And so that's where I ask you this question, Tommy Hutton. I want your prediction for how the rest of this season goes for the Miami Marlins. Are they a playoff team? And what's the X factor for this team down the stretch? Okay, I, I always like to, uh, uh, Paul Severino, my, my partner, he knows this. I like to put uh, the season in segments. And right now okay. we're in the midst of a 22-game segment that uh, he and I talked about uh, that started with Philadelphia, then Texas, then Cincinnati, then the Yankees, then Houston, then on to L.A., and San Diego, a really tough stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, right now the Marlins, because they got off to a slow start early in that segment, they're six and ten okay. in that in that stretch. Now you now you have six games to finish out those uh, in Los Angeles, 
and San Diego. It's going to be tough. Uh, after that, I'll have to look at the schedule to put together my <laughs> next segment. But to answer your question, I think because uh, of the nature of the other teams involved, remember when the Marlins were really struggling, uh, Cincinnati and the Cubs were on fire. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to some guys, some of, some of my buddies that I play golf with, and I said, look it. All well and good for Chicago and Cincinnati, but they're not going to keep up that pace. And the Marlins are going to get better. They're not going to continue to play the way they were. So all of a sudden, now that made things close. You, and you still have Arizona in there. You got the Cubs, you got Cincinnati, you got the Phillies. So that's what you look at. You look at those teams, and you still right. have some games uh, with some of those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it gives you an opportunity. So to answer your question, yeah, if you play solid baseball, the, the Marlins aren't – hey, they're not as good as the Atlanta Braves. Uh, sure. There's some teams that are a lot better than the Marlins. But to win games, they have to do all these little things. And when you see a, a missed cutoff man or when you see a mistake on the bases, something like that, it's frustrating because mm-hmm. for them to win games, they have to do all those little things. This is one of those teams that – has done the little things well throughout most of the season. There have been these smaller mistakes here and there. We saw a few of them the other night against Houston. Uh, But this team has been really fun to watch this season. And watching broadcasts on Bally Sports with Tommy Hutton has been equally, if not more, of a joy (laughs) for the rest of us. Uh, It always makes the game better when Tommy's there. The Marlins have to do what you do in all of your efforts. They have to have... Really pay attention to detail. That's what you do. Yes. Pay attention to detail and sometimes, you know, have an animated graphic that turns one way or another in the middle of the game. You know, have that have that going. Tommy, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Miami Miked Up. My pleasure and congratulations on your upcoming nuptials. Hey, thank (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 